What is up guys and welcome to the Meeple Minded Podcast, the podcast where we talk all things tabletop gaming. My name is Jason. And I'm James. How are you doing this week, James? Yeah, good. Good, good, good. Good, good. It's, uh, we're here for another episode. Indeed. Hot off the heels of uh, featuring on another podcast. We have indeed, yeah. We uh, we sat down with our good friend Anthony at the MTVB podcast to uh, discuss our top five games under £15. Yeah, it was difficult. It was really, really difficult. Now, that one, that episode is not out yet, so you've got a little bit of a sneak peek there. That is due out very, very soon. I'm sure we will post about it when it comes out. But yeah. that was great fun. It was. But it was incredibly difficult. It was difficult. It was nice to feature on a professional podcast. Oh, well, yeah, obviously. <laughs> yeah, not not just our bumbling ramblings, you know. Indeed. But, but uh, yeah, it's, uh, it was your first time on a different podcast. How it was. Yes. Been a very busy week. It has you, been a busy you week. You did that the other day. We played games last night. We played one of our favourite games, Dynagenics. We did. How how did that go? That was I think, despite the fact that I lost, it's the best I've ever done in that game. <laughs> well, yes, we introduced Anthony to, to that game. He's not played it before and uh, he managed to win. Yep. And I, I mean I'll just claim that, you know, we we were going easy on him. Yeah, and, beginner's luck. And all of that. So yeah, Anthony, really sorry, mate. We we were giving you beginner's luck there. Totally not coming up with any kind of excuses here. Yeah. No, he did a really good job. He, he he took to that game like a duck to water. He did indeed. But I did build a T Rex, so I was happy. Yes. <laughs> yes, we built a T Rex. A T Rex. <laughs> yeah, a T Rex. Yes, the Jurassic Park f- uh, quotes were running rampant, as you can expect. But anyway, today we're going to be talking about the uh, the third and the final game in the what is currently a trilogy. Yep, which is the Azul series. So we're going to be talking about Summer Pavilion. I'm interested to know your uh, your opinions on this one, James. So uh, I think this will be a good, interesting discussion. I know I've got some things to say about it, but uh, yeah. Before we get into that, I'd like to remind you all that Paul will be here later on to bring you this week's crowdfunding campaigns and gaming news that we really think you need to know about. But other than that, James, should we dive in to our talk about Summer Pavilion? Let's do it. Okay, so nice new little sound effect there to see us in, James. How did yeah. you like that? Oh, improving the board every day. <laughs> that caught you a bit off guard, didn't it? Yes. Yes, yes. <laughs> Okay, so let's talk about it. Let's talk about Azul Summer Pavilion. It is an abstract strategy game released by Next Move Games in 2019. It is for two to four players aged eight and up and has a playtime of around 30 to 45 minutes. In this version of the Azul tile drafting system, players have just six rounds to draft and tile the finest materials to create the Summer Pavilion, while carefully avoiding wasting supplies to honour the Portuguese royal family. Now, it sounds very similar yep. to a lot of the other Azul games. Yep, but it's pretty much the same blurb, isn't it? It is, pretty much, yeah. I mean, you obviously had stained glass of uh, Sintra, where you were, I don't know, painting stained glass, and the original Azul, which you were doing the sort of Portuguese tiles on the floor. Obviously, this is a dedicated summer pavilion. Oh, what I probably guess we refer to in the UK as like a summer house. So yeah, very, very similar concept. But before we get onto the gameplay, what comes in the box when you buy Summer Pavilion, James? Okay, so contained within the box, you get 132 resin tiles, four player boards, one uh, central game board, one start player token, nine factory tiles, four scoring markers, one linen bag, one rule book, 
one cardboard tower, one round counter, and four points counters. Okie dokie. So, again, Summer Pavilion, very much like the original Azul games. They're in and around the 30 to £40 mark. A fair amount of components in there. Those resin tiles, as always, are absolutely gorgeous. Is there anything component-wise that sticks out to you, James? Yeah, I'm never a fan of the cardboard disposable tower if you know the box mm. lid does that and it, it it's nice don't get me wrong i'm just just not necessary yeah i mean i i i think i mentioned it in in stained glass which was the first one where they did that that tower and it's even bigger in this one and it takes up so much of the box that it, it does kind of make storing stuff a little bit more difficult and again they've sacrificed proper punch board on the central game boards and so they're just standard flimsy card and of course that means they're going to you know that they, they will bow over time and they'll fray a lot easier than than punch board and again i just get rid of the tower give me a nice punch board for the central center of the table and that keeps me happy and like I said, you know, from the original result, the box lid serves the same purpose. It does. It does. And it gives you an excuse to keep it in the box as well, rather than taking it out and trying to condense it down in something smaller. But mm. hey, hope that's maybe it's just a little niggle. I don't know. It's the same problem they have with it. This is the way they're going. It's the way they're going. Like I said, there's nothing inherently wrong with it. It's just not like you said, I'd rather have had a bit more of a sturdy centerboard than the tower yeah yeah i think i agree with you on that one so yes in this game the tiles that you're playing with they are diamond shaped now while they are very good feel nice quality to them unlike the original game we had all those really nice patterns on almost all the tiles in this one there are some with patterns on but they're not quite as eye-catching shall we say which i think is a, a bit of a shame but they do serve the purpose because they're all bright and vibrant in colour. Yeah, I think it's it's more the colour in this one than the pattern. Yeah, and uh, and there's a, f- a fair bit more of them yes. in this game because the actual game boards that you play on themselves, they have uh, the ability to hold 48 of these in total. So that's there's a potential, a lot of potential for, for differences in, in your ability to play this game. So mm. that that's pretty good. The factory tiles that sit in the in the middle of the boards or in the middle of the table for drafting, they're exactly the same. Yep. Uh, I believe your cubes and stuff for your scoring, they are exactly the same as well. So component-wise, yep. if you really want to know what we think about the components for Azul, either listen to the stained glass episode or the original Azul episode, it's exactly the same. Yeah. I think the components are absolutely fine. Yep. I would agree with that. Yeah. Cool. Well, let's uh, let's just jump straight into gameplay and the differences in this game, James. So there are a few new game mechanics that come to us in Summer Pavilion. Now, the first one I want to talk about are the wild tiles. Now, this is something that I think is actually pretty good yep. about this game. And before we go on to how they can really be used, we need to talk about the drafting mechanic that comes in all of the Azul games because in this one it changes ever so slightly because of this wild tiles mechanic yep so when you draft your tiles in normal Azul you pick a factory tile for example and you say okay I would like to take the blue tiles if there's only one on there you take one if there's two you take two of those blues you take all of the same color basically in this one if you decide to take say two blues but the wild color for that round is green and there is also a green on there, you get to take the two blues and one of the wild colours 
on that factory tile. Yeah. So you're actually gaining more tiles that way. Yes. Which is pretty cool. So that's how you're going to get your wild tiles. Once you have them, when you do your tiling at the end of the drafting phase, wild tiles count as colorless, basically. Yep. So they can go against any tiling preferences that you have. And I guess that kind of makes me moves me on to talking about the tiling. Yep. Because in this particular Azul, you are tiling like a star. I think it is. And each star has can hold six tiles. Yep. And they are numbered one to six. Now, depending on which one of those numbers you want to tile, tells you how many of that color you have to play in order to put that tile piece down. So if you are tiling number one, it's going to cost you one tile. If you're tiling number six, it costs you six of that color or one of that color and as many wilds as you like or three of that color and as many wilds as you like. Yep. That's where the wild tiles really come in so how would you say those two mechanics work in this game i think they work very well um the the wild is because of that that number system for for tiling the wild mechanic definitely needs to be there to mm. help because you know other than that it's standard as all drafting so it's like the odds of you collecting six of a color yeah are quite diff are quite slim yes exactly yeah and obviously with with this one, with those stars, that's where your main points are going to come in. So if you tile a single thing on its own, not touching anything, you get one point. If you then tile, say, say you've already tiled number one and you decide to tile number two, they are right next to each other, you're going to score two points. However, if you tile number one followed by number three, they are not connecting, which means you would only get one point for one and one point for the other. Yep. The idea being is if you can get a chain going, you're going to score far more points Yep. every time you tile. Now, there are other ways to play the game, and yep. that moves me on to the next new mechanic, which is the uh, the bonus tiles that you can get in this game and yeah. how you get those. On your board, there are three different ways in order to get these. Between the center of the board and the medium part of the board, there is a diamond uh, shape with a circle in the middle of it. If you surround that on all four, you get one bonus tile from the bonus tile board. There is also a more sort of vertical one, which is, a, again, it's a diamond shape with what looks like a statue in the middle, middle of it. If you surround that, you get to take two tiles from the bonus board. And the final way is always between the numbers five and six on each of the stars. If you surround that by tiling five and six, you get to take three tiles from the bonus board. Now, let's say the first two are actually quite easy to achieve because they're, they're generally surrounded by the lower numbers. Yeah. But how do you find that bonus system works and how cutthroat does it become? Because obviously when you take them from the bonus board, they do not get replenished straight away. Yeah. So if you're going first and you're the first player or you're winning, you're taking more bonus tiles and potentially taking that away from someone else. Yeah, I, I like the mechanic overall. Again, having that extra way to get tiles yeah. aside from the standard drafting is mm -hmm. very nice yeah and it, it, it could potentially be getting you even more you know if you if you work yourself in a way that is like well if i tile these first then i get to take that bonus tile and by getting that bonus tile means i can tile this one which yep. will allow me to get another bonus tile you know and if you can get those chains going yeah, it's all about the chains it's all about the chains so the strategy in this game, I think, is a lot far more superior yes. to the other games. However, 
I will say, I don't find that this version of Azul is quite as cutthroat as the other two. And what I mean by that is, what I find in the other games is I find that I'm looking at those boards, other player boards, far more often than I am in this. Yep. And thus, I'm therefore drafting differently in those games. Because, well, I know that they need this, so I'm going to take that. Whereas in this... I don't have that. This one has a lot of different ways to actually score points. So basically, if we call it what it is, hate drafting doesn't work. Yeah, exactly. Hate drafting doesn't really work in this one. I'm not saying it's impossible. I mean, you can if you can work out, I think you've effectively got three main ways to score points. So you can still sort of go, if you can work out which strategy the other player is going for yeah all right you could try it but especially in the early game it's quite easy to hop strategies Mm -hmm. yeah so and i've done that uh when me you and kiri played it because kiri tried that to me and i was actually bluffing her going starting with one strategy and the minute she started drafting away from it i went right now i'm actually doing this and i think that that in in this version of the game is so much easier because of the fact of how tiling works Mm. because in this particular version you do not have to make your decisions about tiling until the end yeah so we take stained glass for example you draft and they go straight onto a pane of glass yep in the original, you draft and they have to go onto a specific track. Yep. In this one, they just go to the side. Yep. And you create a pile of tiles that you've done. And then once everyone's finished drafting, then you can sit there and go, right, I can do this, 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 and this. Yeah. But actually, I can do this, this, and this, and it'll get me more points. Or I can do this, this, and this, and it'll get me bonuses. But do I want the bonuses because I'm not in the lead, which means I won't get to choose them first. And, you know, there's a lot more, as I said, there's more strategy to this game. Yeah. And moving on from that as well, there is another mechanic that's in this game that I know you definitely like, and I certainly do as well. There is an ability in this game to carry over some tiles. Now, on the edge of your board, there are four places in which you can place a tile to save for a later round. Yeah. That is really, really good. Yeah, especially seen as on the center board, you know what colors are going to be wild. So you've got those four spaces to save tiles. And if you're looking at the board and go, right, I've got three blues Mm. and next round blues the wild. So I'm not going to tile those. I'm going to save them for next round. Now I've got three wild. And it definitely comes in and plays into the fact that I think in this game as well, the penalties are far more lax than the in the other games as well and Mm. that helps towards it because in the other games it's like oh my god i can't tile these that's that's four that Mm. i'm going to be put smashing which means i'm going to lose eight points yeah whereas in this one it's like oh well hang on a minute it's fine i'll just put them in the corners yeah and And then you've got i've I've saved myself some minus points there yeah and i've got more for next round definitely yes i really like that the ability to not immediately go oh the that's one of the things that always got me about the original. It's like, oh dear, I am taking such a hit on this. <laughs> See, I personally, I quite like that of the originals. And I'm not going to lie, that's something I have missed in in this particular game. It's, But, you know, that, that's that's I'll save certain things for, for my final thoughts. But yeah, that that is something that I think in this game is very good. I like the fact that you can save those. And as you said, I tend to use that more strategically Yeah. of the likes of, oh, well, I've got these which are going to be wild, so I'll save all my wilds for the next round. But that's the other thing to, that a lot of people do forget about this game. Just because it's a wild this round, if you save it, 
it won't be a wild next round. Yep. You know, it's it's only a wild for the round that you are in. So is there anything else about the gameplay in this one that you particularly like or dislike? I can't actually say anything that there's uh, that I dislike about the rule set. I think mm-hmm. this one's um very good, very balanced. There isn't really a way to break it. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's a very balanced rule set. Um is more forgiving definitely than the others with that ability to yeah. save tiles from the smashing. And there are multiple ways to score them to play the game, different strategies. Yeah. Um so yeah, overall I think it's a great game. Yeah. Nice. Um obviously if you manage to complete the stars, you're gonna get awarded uh, bonuses at the end for that yep. which is is really good they tend to they can be a bit of a game changer but at the same time if you manage to get lots of you know maybe three quarters of all of the stars done throughout the game yeah that's also going to get you a lot of points because they're all going to be attached but that's the key thing i think in this game to remember is it's better to try and get all of those tiles so that they're touching because you're going to be earning more points yeah, like that. Yeah, my, my advice really in this one is don't fall into the trap of going, oh, well, I'll, I'll tile one, two, and three, one, two, and three, one, two, and three, one, two, and three, one, two, and three. Do all of them one, two, and three, because later on in the game, when you only have one, two, or three tiles left, yep. it's get, you, you know, if you get multiple colors of that and you can't tile anything, that's where you're going to start taking yep. those minus but points. But that, that's another point where those four stars in the corner of your board are really useful. So if you decide you want to go for one of the fives or the sixes, you need to plan. Yeah, Basically, it's like, all right, I've collected, say, I, I, I've, I've had a particularly good draft, and I've got four blues. Do I want to tile those four blues, or do I want to save all four of them and only have to collect two next round? Now, I've got a six. Yeah, definitely. And it, it really helps with those those higher numbers because you know, getting six tiles of, of a colour yeah. is is hard. Yeah, you know, even with the wild mechanic. Yeah. You know, it's it's very hard to get six six and it's also an educated decision to do that because yes, you may be using six you know, six tiles for that, but that could also be tiled as a three, a two and a one, which would get you, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six points. Yep. Whereas tiling a six, if it, especially if it's not attached to anything, is only going to get you one point. Yep. You know, I think I think there's definitely decisions to be made. Yep. And as you said, you you want to come up with your gameplay strategy fairly early on. Yeah. But the game is also far more forgiving if you have to change that strategy. Whereas mm-hmm. in some of the originals, if you change that strategy too late, it, it's kind of game over. You, you've not really got a chance. Yep. Whereas in this, I think you can change your strategy. <laughs> quite late on yes and there's a nice transition with, with points in this one as well um i mean visually the game for me is is pretty nice yes this is kind of a component thing as well but i think visually once they're out all out on the table the tiles and stuff they look fantastic oh yeah they do it's a beautiful game but then again they all are this is very very true indeed it does it does make me really look forward to the queen's uh the queen's garden turn, yes. turning up in the next couple of months uh i think we're really speeding towards that now i think this is why we decided to do this episode today because we knew we wanted to get this one done yeah before queen's garden turns up so that we're keeping in line with the game's releases 
now we're up to date. So yep. when the Queen's Garden comes out, we are going to be on it. We're going to be playing it as soon as it comes out. And I'm really looking forward to that. Indeed. But yes. Have you got anything else about the gameplay you would like to talk about before we talk about our final thoughts? No, I think we've covered everything. Um, it's just to say, obviously, there are six different colored stars. And there is the one in the middle as well, where you have to get one of every color. That is correct. Yes. One of every color. And that's quite handy to have as well. Because again, if you have those extra tiles that you don't want to save. Yeah it's perfect for that but obviously it's one of every color not one color or whatever yeah so if you if you've decided well yeah so if you've decided to put red on one you can't put red on two three four five or six in that centerpiece it's you you kind of have to again if you're going for the center one you have to decide quite a few steps ahead which color is going to go where exactly yeah I completely agree. And now that's, again, it's a nice decision to have to make. Yeah. So, yeah, let's move on to our final thoughts. Uh, it's a quite a quick episode, this one, because it's quite a quick game, which Indeed. is great, as we do know. I'll happily go first on this one, because I, I've, I've touched on some of it already. Uh, I'll read my, my little statement that I've written out here. So, for me, this game is really strange, because I feel like this is a really good Azul game, yet... It's also not what I've come to expect from the Azul series of games. Every time I play the previous editions, there is always a nice bit of tension and keeping an eye on what my opponents are doing, as I said earlier, and more specifically, what they need. Whereas in this one, there is an element of it, but it's nowhere near as handy to know that information as those originals. And to be honest, I loved that about the originals because that's far more my type of gameplay. Um, However, that being said, I will say I love the new additions to this game. Like the bonus tiles, that's fantastic. The ability to carry stuff over is fantastic. I'd like to see maybe a bit more punishment with regards to wastage of tiles although wastage of tiles in this is almost impossible and maybe that's what i think it's really lacking but you know who would i recommend it for if you played the original azul games and you thought that maybe they were a bit too i'll say cutthroat but they weren't really cutthroat but if you found that maybe the people you were playing with were hate drafting a bit too much maybe you were being picked on and and stuff like that this game is going to be far better for you because it's far far harder for anyone to really see what what other players are doing especially in the early game Mm. when you start getting to the late game and the stars start filling up people will start seeing but by that point you've probably got all of the points you need anyway so this game is definitely better for you for that if you're a fan of the Azul series, this will be a good play for you. Depending on what you like about the originals will determine as to whether you think this is the best or the worst. It says 8 plus on the box. I think that's entirely dependent on the 8-year-old. My son is 8 years old. He would not fully understand the scoring mechanisms of this game. Uh, but other than that, everything else about it he would be fine with. So, you know, that's really dependent on on the eight-year-olds that we're talking about. Playtime, 30 30 to 45 minutes. I'd probably agree with that. 10-minute setup, so you're talking about an hour in total for this game. If you're teaching it, obviously add on an extra 15 minutes. But other than that, it's a very quick game to play. It's a nice wind-down game for me. It's not one that I want to play all that often. But yes, what about you, James? Any final thoughts? Who would you recommend it for? Uh, So basically echoing what you said, yeah, um, definitely recommend it if you've played the other Azul games. Uh, As you said, it's not quite as 
I, I struggle. I want to use the word cutthroat like you did, but yeah, but it's it's it's, it's not cutthroat. It's like, not we, we cut- know cutthroat games. This is yeah. not a cutthroat game, it's but a, it's it's much more long term strategy, I mm-hmm. think, than the other two. Like you said, you're not you, you're much more focused on your board than you are everyone else's in this because there are multiple avenues to victory. Yeah. And until, like you said, the end game, the strat and people's strategies are fully developed, you might be able to like draft to prevent someone getting those all important bonuses at the end. Like, oh, well, they're only one off completing that star. Well, I can at least stop them from doing that. But that's going to be in the closing sessions of the game. And like you said, if they've got those chains going earlier on, they're probably not going to miss those bonus points. It's yeah. just cherry on the cake. I mean, uh, one thing I would also say is if you're playing, if you're, if this is your first time playing this, you're playing it with someone who already knows the game, expect to lose because they're going to know about chaining yep. far quicker than you will. And they're going to get early points. And once you get early points in this, I do think it is hard yep. to try and catch up. So someone who knows this game, like I know that when we play this game, we're all going to be going up fairly evenly because we've all played it so much yeah however i know if i was to play this game with maybe three other less experienced people yeah or people i've just taught the game to while i will have told them that this is the best way to get points they may not have cottoned onto it all that quickly yeah it's and therefore i'm gonna it's a thought that having played all three of the as all games now it's a thought i have had and i don't know if this is necessarily something you do when you're first playing a game it's a lot more difficult to go easy on someone with these games mm. because of the way everything develops. It's like, well, I can't not well, take that. Yeah, so I mean, even though I know it's going to completely mess up your strategy, I can't not do this. Whereas yeah, yeah. other games, when you're, say, teaching them to someone, it's like, well, I could do that, but because it's their first game, I'm not going to. I'm going to take it easy yeah. on them. Azul makes that quite difficult. You know, I I wouldn't say I deliberately throw games, especially if I'm teaching them. Not but so, at the not same so time, much. I also I do yeah. I do find it very difficult to like if I know how to play a game. Yeah, I actually find it very difficult to not play the game how I usually would. Yeah, because I know how I usually would play a game is quite strong. It's quite competitive. yeah, it's quite competitive. But what I, I don't necessarily mean completely throw the game and. Just, effectively insult my opponent by letting them win but if i'm experienced in the game and i much and i know things like the meta strategy and that it is possible for me to still play the game but not go right i know exactly how to game this game and get massive points early on yeah but i'm not going to do that because i want this person to enjoy the game yeah exactly so yeah it's um it's one of those games you can get early points in this and i think if you play it multiple times you will find various different ways various different strategies i've seen multiple ways that people have won this game Mm. as i've said we highlighted two specific ones which is tiling full stars gets you big points at the in the end game but it also gets you good points throughout the game especially if you manage to keep a continuous track you've got the bonus ways which is giving you more tiles to tile with which is ultimately more points but you know with those if you're only getting one tile here and there if you're not able to place that in a chain you're only gonna get one point so it's it may may not work um hate drafting i don't really see that being a particularly good strategy in this game no whereas in the original two i probably would say that as horrible as it is it's a 
pretty valid strategy to keep people's points down. Yeah. But it also doesn't really boast your points all that up that much either. But yeah, multiple ways to victory in this game. It's a beautiful looking game. Very simple, very quick. Should we do the meeple rating? Let's go for the meeple rating. I would like you to go first on this one. Okay. I'm going to give it a 7.5. 7.5 for James. What is your reason for 7.5? 7.5. Um, it's it's a beautiful game. I like the new strategy additions. Um, so, yeah, overall, it's not quite up there with with the heavyweights of my favourites. Mm-hmm. But yep. it, overall, it is a good game. Great rule set. Yeah, I wish the centre board was punch board and the tower wasn't there. But overall, the component quality is decent. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So, uh, 7.5. Okay. And... Just the extra bonus question. We've reviewed three Azul's now. Which order would you place them? Do you know what? Just because of the extra strategy in this, I think it just tips stained glass, but only just because I do love stained glass. Okay. But those extra ways to win and not kind of being shoehorned into a certain strategy... I think this one just tips it. Well, our, our good uh, our good friend and behind-the-scenes rules expert here, shall we say, Kiri, she, uh, from what I remember, she put this at number one. She she prefers this out of all of them. So. Yeah, I, I would put this at one just. Okay. Because for gameplay, Summer Pavilion, for looks, stained glass all the way. Yeah. It's still the best-looking one out of all of them. Nice. Very nice. Okay, so my meeple rating, this was quite hard for me to write down earlier. However, there's nothing inherently wrong with the game. As we've said, there's many things that I really like about it. However, for my gameplay, it is not the best for me. Uh, I really miss some of the, not the hate drafting, because I I genuinely, I hate calling it hate drafting, but I hate the fact that I I can't really see what other people are doing and and all that kind of stuff right till the end. While that's not everyone's cup of tea, I like to watch games as well as play them. And with the other games, I always felt like I was watching, you know, up to four individual games being played. And yeah, I miss it. I do miss it. And I I miss the competitive nature. I feel like it's really lacking uh, in this game. It's a bit more fun. It's a bit more laid back, which there's nothing wrong with that. I want to make that perfectly clear. It's just not my personal cup of tea when I'm playing a game like this. I like it to be fairly competitive. Definitely more strategy driven, which is usually a plus for me. But without the additional bits that I've just mentioned, it just loses it for me. So I, I think I would mention a, a, a niggle for me, and I think you've touched on it earlier, is a little bit more penalty for broken tiles. Because if you've if the other two really hit you for that, and they had no way to save them because this one does have a way to save them. It should be inexcusable for you to break a tile. So if yeah, you do, yeah. it should hurt heavily, a heavily lot more. That's yeah. the only downside I would say, actually thinking about it. Yeah, exactly. It's like you've got the opportunity to save four tiles. So if you're smashing one, you done really messed up. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah maybe even just bring in the, the minus points at where four tiles would have been on the original, like, yeah. In the original, if you just smashed one, it, it was one point. And I think it was, then it was two points, two points, and three. F- then it went up to four points on yeah, the, on the fourth one. Or even um, uh, stained glass. I think stained glass was even more. Yeah, because that, that got, obviously. Because yeah, you had the track. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think it should be a lot harder than it is. But, you know, that that's that. My meeple rating for this, unfortunately, is not going to be as high as the other ones. I am giving this. A six out of ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, it differ. was hard. It was hard for that. 
It was genuinely hard because the game is not bad. It's just not my, it's not my favorite, mm. you know, and the game for me just felt very average, very average. It's not average average because if it was, it'd be a five. Yeah. But it's just above average for me. It's not what, you know, it doesn't get my seven out of 10. I would recommend this to everyone mm. to play. Six out of ten, I think, is is pretty good. I could probably bump it to six point five if I really wanted to, but yeah, six 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 out of ten for me. Quality's fine. Gameplay's it's it's all right. There's nothing wrong with it. I think people will enjoy it. I would definitely say stained glass is the best. I would be interested to see if presented with a choice as to whether I would play the original or summer pavilion mm. uh, after stained glass i to be honest i think i would play with the first one but i think that's purely because i think it looks better and it still has that mechanic of i can see what everyone's doing mm. you know much more fun for me is it gets my mind flowing a bit more than just a pure strategy game yeah so yeah sorry guys it's six out of ten for me uh 7.5 for james yep it's uh probably the biggest difference we've had so far i'd imagine uh, i would say so yeah interesting very interesting indeed speaking of interesting I would like to know what you guys out there think of Azul Summer Pavilion. Is James more right than me? Am I totally wrong? Is everything I say wrong? Because it's probably the latter. But hey-ho, let us know on any of our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Discord, all of that loveliness. Links to those are in the podcast description. But that being said, guys, I think it's time to hand over to Paul. What do you think, James? I think it's time. Tell me what I'm spending my money on this week, Paul. Now look, I've tidied my half of the shed, so when are you going to get to your side? Yeah, well I'm here to help now, but you could have at least started. Okay, where do we start? Well, what's all this under your bed? What do you mean, don't go under there? You'll do it. What are you hiding from me? Come on, bring it out. I don't care if it's embarrassing. Just throw it all out here. It's just magazines. Oh, I see why you're a little embarrassed. I wouldn't worry, chap. We all go through this sort of phase. I mean, boys will be boys. And many of us will always be fond of admiring members of the opposite sex. In all their natural beauty, we just wouldn't be using birdwatching magazine or photographing birds monthly. I mean, I admit that's a very attractive bird of paradise right there. Oh, it's a boy. Well, that's a point. It's usually the male of most species that tends to be the most flamboyant and colourful, isn't it? Still, that's a very good-looking bird, and his missus is very pretty too. Anyway, you better carry on cleaning your side of the shed while I get on with this week's news. Then I can come and help you out, okay? But mate, don't be embarrassed in the slightest. It's natural. Do you mind hitting the button for me? Nice. News from Gamma 2022 saw publishers The Op, alongside Olderac Entertainment Group, announce the latest addition to the Smash Up line after 2021's release Smash Up Marvel in the form of Smash Up Disney Edition, designed by Paul Peterson and Sean Fletcher. 
Smash Up turns 10 in 2022, so it's fitting that in addition to Smash Up's 10th anniversary edition, the game line is continuing to cross over into IPs to appeal to fresh blood. The shuffle building game Smash Up begins with a simple premise. Take the 20 card decks of two different factions, shuffle them into a deck of 40 cards, then compete to crush more bases than your opponents. Each faction evolves a different gaming mechanism, and each combination of factions brings a different gaming experience. So in Smash Up! Disney Edition, players choose two decks of fan-favorite Disney factions and combine their powers to take over bases, earn the most points, and of course win. Choose two from Frozen, Big Hero 6, Wreck-It Ralph, The Lion King, Mulan, Aladdin, The Nightmare Before Christmas, and Beauty and the Beast to create the most exciting team-ups imaginable. During the game, base cards, each with their own difficulties and abilities, are at stake. By playing cards from your hand, you'll try to have the most powerful set of minions on a base when the base is broken. When this happens, the three most powerful players on that base score points. When a player has 15 or more points at the end of a turn, they win. If two or more players have more than 15 victory points, the one with the most points wins. The set is due out in Q3 2022, but with nearly every publisher at the event adding to-be-determined abbreviations, we might as well take these dates with a pinch of salt. The op also had a second Disney title on display, Disney Sorcerer's Arena Epic Alliance's core set with this being a tabletop adaptation of the digital game of the same name from Glue Mobile Inc. The Battle Arena game also comes from Sean Fletcher, and it's for two players competing head-to-head -head, or four players competing in teams of two. Setup is similar to Smash Up in that you'll have a team of two or more characters, and you'll shuffle the cards for those characters into a single deck. On a turn, you'll play cards to take actions with the matching characters, trying to knock out opponents or hold on to certain locations until the next turn in order to score points. When a player reaches 20 points or runs out of cards in their deck, the game ends at the conclusion of that round, and whoever has the most points wins. The rules for Disney Sorcerer's Arena, Epic Alliance's Corsair, are spread out across four chapters with each chapter building on what's come before to introduce players to new skills, upgrades and abilities over multiple games. Multiple expansions will be released for the game line to allow for more team combinations. At Gamma Expo 2022, the op had a mock-up box for the first such expansion, Turning the Tide, which this set featured Mona, Stitch and Davy Jones. An employee of the op mentioned that each small expansion will have characters that fit with a particular theme, and introduce a theme-related game element. This expansion in particular includes water tiles that can be placed in the arena to provide faster movement. The op plans to work with retail stores to help stage tournaments since Disney Sorcerer's Arena is the first release that they've had that fits that model of gameplay. Disney Sorcerer's Arena Epic Alliances has a US street date of May 26, 2022, but no news yet as on a price or a UK release. The official Pokemon Trading Card Championships 2022 will take place in the UK. 
In an announcement from the Pokemon Company, it was revealed that the upcoming Pokemon World Championships, which include the World Championships for the trading card game, alongside various Pokemon video games, will be taking place outside of the US and Canada for the very first time since the tournament began back in 2004. The venue for the Pokemon World Championships 2022 will be the Excel Center in London. Included alongside this announcement was a link to the COVID-19 policy for the upcoming event, which will require contestants have proof of vaccination, as well as an acceptable face mask that must be worn throughout the event. Besides designated areas for consuming food and drink, during play all contestants must sanitize their hands before facing new opponents, and cannot perform the traditional handshake before each match. All players will need to adhere to social distancing rules during the tournament. This year will be the first time the Pokemon World Championships have taken place since 2019, with 2020 and 2021's events being cancelled due to safety issues around the outbreak. The Pokemon World Championships 22 will take place after various regional and international championships, some of which are set to run over this weekend and others happening from next month. As with the Pokemon World Championships, all players in local and international championships will need to adhere to COVID-19 guidelines. The Pokemon World Championships sees the champions from local and international championships competing against one another in order to be awarded the title of World Champion in their respective fields. And besides the Pokemon trading card game, players will also be competing in tournaments for the Pokemon Sword and Shield video games, as well as fighting game Pokemon Tournament DX, the recent MOBA title, Pokemon Unite, and the mobile title, Pokemon Go. The Pokemon World Championships will be held from August 18th through to the 21st. A new card game from the co-creator of Betrayal at House on the Hill, Bruce Glasgow, combines a cast of classic Marvel characters. The upcoming board game, called Marvel Remix, will see players gathering up their own teams of superheroes from across the Marvel Comics universe, including the likes of Spider-Man, Hawkeye, Black Panther, Captain America, Hulk, Wolverine, Storm and Jean Grey. Players will be creating their superpowered teams in order to fight against a rogues gallery of villains and anti-heroes, such as Mystique, Kingpin, Loki, Kang and Hela, who they need to defeat in order to acquire the victory points they need to win the game. Marvel Remix's gameplay system bears similarities to one of Glasgow's previous games, the 2021 Kennerspiel de Jar nominated Fantasy Realms, which has players collecting different types of cards in order to create the most impressive kingdom possible. In Glasgow's new card game, players will be attempting to gain superheroes, abilities and locations that will trigger powerful combos when used together. Every round sees players using their hand of seven cards. Players will have to be careful when encountering villain cards that result in points being taken off their total, pulling off specific combos to counteract their negative effects. The Marvel board game features a total of 61 remix cards, as well as 18 villain cards. Besides designing Marvel Remix, as well as the aforementioned Fantasy Realms and co-creating Betrayal at House on the Hill, Glasgow is also responsible for creating this year's Star Trek Missions, another spin on the Fantasy Realms formula, this time themed around characters, worlds and equipment found on the Starship Enterprise, 
and the recently announced third edition of Betrayal at House on the Hill, which will feature a collection of entirely new haunts as well as components and artwork. WizKids is the studio set to publish Marvel Remix, with the company previously releasing Glasgow's Fantasy Realms alongside the upcoming Star Trek missions, as well as titles such as the horror board game Fury of Dracula 4th edition and the Heroclix miniature series. Marvel Remix is set to be released sometime in June with a retail price of £15 or $20. And we're heading on over to crowdfunding and all these three games are available on Kickstarter at the moment. First up is Ryozen by Tabula Games. It's for 2 to 4 players, it takes 45 to 90 minutes to complete. It's for 14 years and over and it ends on Friday, April the 8th. Ryozen is a 2-4 player worker placement game with a layered, rotating board and multiple scoring and resource engines, set in a fantasy world of mystical forces and animals with extraordinary abilities. It's a busy time in the kingdom of Ryozen. Like all the others, your clan has assembled the most skilled kin who can perform various tasks and bring you the honours you deserve. These are the final nights when you can prove that your clan is the most capable of doing good for the kingdom. The Phoenix Queen is about to awaken in her mountaintop palace, which you can rotate to gain special benefits from the nearby lands. Seize the moment to do your best to obtain her favour. In Ryozen, the contention is always at a high pace, with both direct and indirect interaction between players. The board, flippable for a two-player setup, is divided into sectors that provide different sets of possible actions, but only for a limited number of available placements. Secure the best places for your kin to gather or manage resources, recruit more allies with asymmetrical abilities, influence the tiebreaker and collect cards to improve your strategy. The turn flow runs smoothly from the very beginning with immediate placement effects during the day phase and global effects resolve sector by sector during the night. But never lose sight of your rivals and strive for the highest prestige. The essential edition comes with a core game and all unlock stretch goals for the core set which will set you back £33 or €39. Euros. The Deluxe Edition gives you the base game, a full art box sleeve, deluxe resources, custom insert with custom box resource organisers, a solo expansion and all unlock stretch goals for the base and deluxe sets. This will set you back £58 or €69. Euros. Next up is Fire in the Hole, the plundering pirate game by Muck Miller. It's for 2-4 players, it's going to take you 20-40 to 40 minutes to complete. It's aimed at 7 years and over, and ends on Saturday, April the 9th. Fire in the Hole mixes dexterity with strategy, and suits the young landlubbers all the way up to the old sea dogs. Gameplay is simple. First, choose a fire card or a sabotage card. Choose fire and roll the dice to find out if it's an all fire or solo fire. Then take your shot to flick cannonballs onto the ship in the centre of the board. First to link four cannonballs in a row in the ship wins. Choose to sabotage. Take your pick from a bevy of evil tricks to infuriate your fellow pirates. Will you release the kraken or stall them? With a there she blows. Fire in the Hole is 100% plastic-free, biodegradable and carbon-neutral, making it one of the most sustainable games on the market. Complete with a pirate-themed playlist to accompany gameplay, Fire in the Hole is a rowdy, enough for multi-generational family night, but has enough twists and tricks for the sneaky scallywags. 
firing the hull is a game of skill and scavenge which centers around a large pop-up ship. One part strategy, another part dexterity. The Boat Swain Edition gets you the retail edition of the game with a small discount for £22 or $28. The First Mate Edition for £31 or $40 gets you the game, a swanky drawstring bag for all your booty and all unlocked stretch goals. The Quartermaster Edition gets you the game, Booty Bag, Salty Sea Dog and a 6 player expansion as well as all the stretch goals. There are still a few early bird sets on offer for £38 or $49 before it goes back up to £42 or $55. And lastly is Unition by Lumohedron Games. It's for 2 to 5 players. It's going to take you an hour and a half to 2 hours. It's for 12 years and over and ends on Thursday April the 14th. The world of Disarray has grown a little too small for all its inhabitants to coexist peacefully. The tentative treaty between the five clans has all but been dissolved, and tensions are rising as the chaos of war approaches. Players enter the picture as potential leaders of a new era, and attempt to build a nation that will become the centre of civilization. Unition is a deck building, combat free for all with two ways to win. Players have the choice of an aggressive approach, where they reduce every other player's health to zero, or playing defensively and winning by points. Health and points are kept secret behind players' screens, and so social dynamics play a part in overall strategy as the game goes on. Each player, as usual, starts with a low-value starter deck, from which they draw a hand of five cards to play on their turn. These played cards give resources like currency to recruit stronger clan members, attack to direct at other players and points to collect. Recruited clan cards bring new abilities and stronger elements into players' decks, and each clan has a specialty. Two cards of the same clan gain bonuses when played together, with a large bonus occurring if a member from each clan is played in a single hand. The game ends in one of two ways, when only one player has any health left, making them the last player standing, or when one player has gained 50 points. Each player starts with 50 health tokens, and when they reach zero, they are eliminated while other players continue. However, the instant any player gains their 50th point token, the game immediately ends for everyone and that player wins. Unition requires each player to carefully decide their path, balance their resources and build their empire, while also playing the macro game of navigating the politics and subterfuge of those sitting around the table. You can grab a print and play set for just £8 or $10, which includes any campaign updates, or grab a physical copy of the game for £20 or $26, which includes access to the print and play files, campaign updates and all unlocked stretch goals. And we're heading on over to events. This past weekend saw Abbey and Surrey Board Gaming Group holding what we thought may be the last gaming event from them for a while. But thanks to a group member stepping forward to take on the running of the club until Abbey's return, we can sit pretty knowing we'll have more dates for the group upcoming very soon. We'd like to wish Abby and her partner Rob all the best on their imminent arrival of First Child and look forward to gaming with them all very soon. Talking of new mothers, this Sunday is indeed Mothering Sunday, or Mother's Day, whatever you call it, and yes, stupidly, so I forgot to look at the calendar before picking the 27th of March for Mid-Sussex Meeple's next game day. Yep, this Sunday, I'll be hosting Mid-Sussex Meeple's game day over at Cypress Hall, Cypress Road, Burgess Hill, 
RH158DX. The day starts at 10am and will run through to 6pm with tea, coffee, squash and biscuits on tap. Usually just £5 a head, but any and all mums in attendance will be able to do so for free. So whether you drag the kids along or you fancy bringing your mothers along to experience the joys we offer at Mid-Sussex Meeples, they can do so knowing we love and appreciate all you mums out there. And on to the weeklies. Tuesdays is Worthing Board Gamers' first night of the week down at the newly opened Dice Worthing store from 7pm until 10pm. It's just £3 per head cover charge with what I hear is a fantastic menu on site if you're interested. Location of the store is 24 to 26 Portland Road, Worthing BN 11 1QN. Wednesdays has Crawley Gaming Community being hosted at the comic shop. 42 High Street, Crawley RH10 1BW, tending to gather from 6ish onwards until close. It's £3 per evening with plenty of snacks, drinks, some insane milkshakes, sweets and some great pizza too. Thursday sees three groups running in the form of Worthing Board Gamers second night of the week down at the Ardington Hotel, Sten Gardens, Worthing BN11 3DZ from 7 o'clock. Dave, as usual, is hosting Lewis Boards Game Club over at the Trinity Gaming Cafe, Arbinger Place, Lewis, BN7, 2QA, from 7pm through to 11, welcoming you for an evening of gaming with a tuck shop on site. Jake and Chris over at Dyson Drinks, 7981 Church Walk, Burgess Hill, RH15, 9BQ, would welcome you to their Thursday evening socials. Entry is £5 for the evening with refreshments available for purchase at the shop. And Crawley Gaming Club are here for you on Monday evenings. They'll be up and running from 6pm over at Tilgate Community Centre, Shackleton Road, Crawley, RH10, 5DF. Just £3 per person with a tuck shop on site. Restrictions are easing, but still keep an eye on the socials for any last-minute changes to the events. Right, Brian, how are you getting on? You've got absolutely nothing done. Although I said it's fine to possess these magazines, I didn't give you permission to just sit and read them all. This shed, more accurately, your side of the shed, needs tidying, so get on with it. Uh, But before you do, just say goodbye to everyone, will you? And it's a goodbye from me. Unfortunately, we won't be here to give you the news next week as we are overly busy for a change. But we'll be back in a fortnight, so keep safe, meeples. Keep those dice rolling, the cards shuffling, and we'll be right here for you in a fortnight. Tutty bye! Thank you very much for that, Paul, and thank you guys for joining us once again for our game highlight this week, which was Azul Summer Pavilion. How do you think it went, James? Uh, yeah, I think we did We did all right with that one. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a sweet one for me because I really do like the Azul series and I really did sit down and, and question my own thoughts and processes while while trying to come up with this one and... Yeah, it changed a few times. Sometimes I thought, oh no, maybe I'm just being too harsh. Maybe I'm being a bit elitist because, you know, I'm playing a lot more heavyweight games now. Maybe that's what it is. And and to be honest, it's not that. It's just, I I really sat there and I, I thought about it and I really miss yep. that, that th- those mechanics that I mentioned. So, real shame. Indeed. Real shame. What do you think uh, 
Queen's Garden's going to be? Do you reckon oh. it's going to be more like this, or do you reckon they're going to go back to the? I the having original? seen the some um, some of the photos of it, I I think it's going to be more summer pavilionish than yeah. the other two. Well, I guess time will tell. Hopefully, we're not going to be waiting too much longer. Mm. I've deliberately not been reading any reviews for those that managed to get the advanced copies that were for sale at Essen that I didn't manage to go to, and I really do wish I had. And then, yeah, I'm avoiding any kind of reviews and stuff for it because I want to make my own decision about these things. Indeed. But that being said, James, talking about new games coming out, I finally, finally managed to source myself a copy of Ark Nova. Yes. Oh, God, I can't wait for that game. It's the literally it's the talk of the town. We will be getting that to the table as soon as that arrives. Short of that, guys. I think we're gonna head off. We're gonna probably grab a coffee, indeed, and coffee. Uh, maybe play a game a bit later. We'll see how we feel. Till next week, guys. I have been Jason, and I've been James, and you've been listening to the Meeple Minded Podcast. Join us next week for more tabletop gaming goodness. Till then, ta ta. Goodbye.